Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen, amen. The book of Exodus chapter 16. We will bring our text tonight, our Bible study for this evening. I realize we've got people scattered in different parts of the building tonight for some training with some of our leaders and um, youth and children. But we're so glad that you are here. It feels good to be back in church on a Wednesday night. Here in Zanesville, I've been traveling as you know, but so thankful to be home tonight among the wonderful people of God. Amen. There's no no one in the world like the church. Can you say amen? The body of Christ. What a privilege it is to be here tonight. Amen. The book of Exodus chapter 16, it it tells us, uh, verse 11, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speaking to them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread. Everybody say, filled with bread. Look at your neighbor and say, satisfied. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quails came, covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. When the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And it would have been very small in gathering, almost like a powder, if you will. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. Manna means, what is it? Everybody should say, what is it? They woke up the next morning. There's this stuff laying when the dew lifted all over the ground. They said to Moses, manna, or what is it? And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. Amen. Amen. God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. I'd like to talk to you today about bread from heaven bread from heaven I would like you to lift your hands to the Lord and ask him to speak specifically to your life I feel the witness of his spirit already here tonight and for that we're very thankful God we love you we worship you we ask you to do a work among us today God speak to us tonight in the name of Jesus Christ we pray and everybody says amen You may be seated. I was preaching this past week in, in, not Coshocton, but McConnellsville. And uh, God began to move up on me while I was preaching. The touch of God came up on me so strong. Even during the message, I just went to my knees. But you'll find a principle in Scripture that I will bring to you tonight. In 1 Kings chapter 17, it's the story of Elijah. Elijah the Tishbite, who was the prophet of the Lord. And it says, verse 1 of 1 Kings 17, you're going to grab your Bibles and follow along, you can, just a few verses here. But it says, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, uh, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be do nor reign these years but according to my word and what had happened is the children of Israel had became confused on who really was God by the influence of none other but wicked Jezebel she had she had ushered in false prophets of that day and they began to lure away from the things of God and began to worship idols such as Baal one one study reveals that Baal means the God of the rain. And God himself came down and challenged his people. 
because they were worshiping idols, caught up in idolatry. I will say tonight that the spirit of Jezebel, that same attack is upon the earth today. Would love to get you to worship something else besides him. How many know that? He would love to do whatever he can to get you to worship something besides God himself. Culture will try to bring you away from worshiping the one true God unto idolatry. And that was going on in this day and, and God sent the prophet of the Lord and thank God, amen, when he sends the prophet of the Lord. Can you say amen? And when he comes, he tells the king, because of what you've done, because of the idolatry, there will not be rain in Samaria until the word of the Lord will allow it. Over three years this happened because God was going to prove who was God. How many know he is the God of heaven He's the God of the rain. Praise the name of the Lord. And when he uh, gave the word of the Lord to Ahab, verse 2 says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying to Elijah, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith. I want you to go to Cherith, that is before Jordan. I have a place specific for you. He said, I want you to go to Cherith. And he said, it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee. Everybody say, there. He said, I want you to go to Cherith. And when you get there, there's a brook that's there. He said, the brook is there. And he said, when you're going to get there, I've already commanded the ravens to feed thee there. He said, I want you to hide yourself there. The Bible says in verse 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. Look at verse 6. Would you read it with me? And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Can I tell you today that if God tells you to go there, he's going to sustain you there. You can mark it down. He's going to take care of you when you get there. That's exactly right. God will never send you somewhere that's going to cause you to dry up. God's going to send you somewhere that he will always sustain you in that place. He told the prophet, he said, when you arrive at Cherith, there's a brook that's there. There might be a drought down the road, but you can bank when you get to Cherith. It's a place preserved for you that the water's going to be flowing there. Not only that, but there's the raven that's going to feed you there. Bread and meat in the morning. Bread and meat in the evening when you get there. And the Bible tells us that when he was there, not only did he drink of the brook, but in the morning, guess what? Here came a raven out of the sky and brought him bread and meat in the morning. Every evening while he was there, you could mark it down. As soon as his stomach started to get hungry, here would come a raven to feed him bread and meat in the evening because God will always keep his word and he will always preserve his people. Do you believe that? Look at your neighbor and say, there matters. When God sends you there, God's going to take care of you there. I can prove it on and on in Scripture. And i just give you a little New Testament uh, uh, example. It's when there was a storm on the water. Jesus tells them to get to the other side. I feel like telling somebody, Brother Jane, in this room, if God tells you to go to the other side, you're going to get to the other side. If God tells you to go there, you're going to get there. He's going to make a way where it seems like there is no way. When they get on the ship to go to the other side, a, 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 a storm comes against them. It looks like the ship is going to sink. He didn't say your faith wouldn't be challenged. But he said when you're going that way, he said I want you to go to the other side. But some way midway on the journey, here comes a storm. Here comes a storm. And it looks like the ship is going to sink. But guess what? Somebody looked out and thought it was a spirit, but it was Jesus walking on the water. And Jesus looks at Simon Peter when Simon Peter calls out to him, and he said, Lord, can I come out there to where you are? And when the Lord said, come, guess what? That's all he needed.
Because if God tells you to come, amen, to where he is, he's going to sustain you to get from point A to point B. And when Simon Peter stepped off the boat by the word of the Lord, he walked on the water himself. You know why? Because there's power in the word of the Lord. I come to tell this congregation, when God puts us on a journey, he's not only going to sustain us when we get there, he's going to make sure we get all the way to there on the journey. Don't ever give up on the journey. God is going to make a way. And we call that grace, grace of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. God calls you to missions. You don't have to worry about when you get there because the ravens are coming. If God calls you to plant a church, start a church, witness on the street, guess what? He will provide everything you need for your ministry to succeed. But I will tell you tonight, if God calls you to Cherith and you go to Zarephath, there's no ravens coming. Did you hear me? If you get to Zarephath, there's no ravens coming to Zarephath because he said, I've commanded you, I've commanded them to feed you there. Everybody say, there matters. Where is your there? I will tell you this. Where you attend church matters. Where you live matters. Because God with his people always has a destination for his people and there or where does matter. Amen. I want God to be able to speak to me to go there. I want God to be able to speak to me to make to make decisions based upon his voice. I'm going to tell you, God will never lead you to a desert that he, he doesn't provide everything that you need. How many have found the Lord sustaining you through life? Would you clap your hands and thank God for that? Hold that thought. Let's go back to the text that we, that we read today. And let's look what the scripture says. Because he called them out of Egypt on a journey to the promised land. We could talk a lot tonight about how far Egypt was from the promised land and debate that this evening, but I'm not going to. But what we are going to talk about is exactly what we do know. Is that they were in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. It was the, it was the time period between Egypt and the promised land. While they were there, God said, I'm going to take care of you on your journey to the promised land. Do you believe they were on their way to a land that flowed with milk and honey? And they got to murmuring. They got to complaining. No, nobody in Zanesville ever does that. Amen. Oh, you are perfect saints of God. But they got to murmuring and complaining because they started looking out. When you've got three, three and a half million, you've got a lot of people out there on their journey and you don't know where the wells are. You don't know where the food's coming. Come on, nobody's there working a job. You're traveling. You're not planting gardens if you're traveling. Are y'all with me tonight? There's no, there's no markets to buy from. You're walking literally through the wilderness expecting one thing, God, to supply your needs. You're not working a job going through Egypt. You might have some sheep. You got some oxen following you. But you know that's not what's going to sustain you. You're not putting any seed in the ground. You're not working the ground. You're just traveling on your way to the promised land. And they started getting discouraged. How are we going to eat? How are we going to drink? What are we going to do? They're, 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 we're, not, we're not staying by a water. We're not living by a well. We're not living by the brook. Matter of fact, they came to one place and the waters were bitter. And they tasted the water and it was bitter. And what did he tell them to do? Anybody know? Cut the tree down. Let it fall down to the water. And when they did, that tree made those bitter waters sweet and God sustained them there. One place, they were thirsty and they came and they saw 70 palm trees and when they got there, there were 12 wells that were dug and they were able to be sustained there. But it wasn't like there was a constant well. They were totally dependent upon God. Amen. You can read it and study it. Their shoes grew. Their clothes grew on their body. 
the four-year-old for 40 years wore the same outfit because God was sustaining them because that's exactly where he wanted them to be. And they started talking about complaining, murmuring. Where are we going to get our food? This is at the beginning of the journey. How are we going to eat? How are we going to drink? And the Lord told Moses in the text, he said, you tell them I'm going to give them bread from heaven in the morning. I'm going to send quail meat in the evening. I'm going to give them bread from heaven. I'm going to send bread in the morning. I'm going to send quail in the evening. And guess what? That evening, guess what happened? Clouds of quail began to come in and just drop down. No shotguns. They just landed right there. They picked up and had bread, had meat to eat. They wake up the next morning, rubbing their eyes. Daybreak has come. The dew starts lifting. And they look, and there's like coriander seeds. It's, it's like hoarfrost that is laying on the ground like powder. And they, everybody started looking. They'd never seen it before. And the word got back to Moses and said, Hey, all the people want to know, what in the world's all this stuff on the ground around their tents? What is it? Manna. Manna. They just started saying manna means what is it? He said, I already told you what it was. It's bread from heaven. God has given you bread. Everything you need is in that bread. It's shaped like a wafer. It's going to taste like honey. And guess what they did? They would get an omer. Everybody say an omer. They would get an omer of the, of the bread. An omer was about two quarts. They would gather about two quarts per person. And if you had, if you had six people, you would have about 12, uh, uh, 12 quarts worth of this granular substance on the ground that was bread from God. He said, those that gather little will still be filled. Those that gather too much, it's going to grow worms and not going to last. And so some of those people that were worried it wasn't good enough, that it wasn't going to be enough, you know what they did? They started stuffing their pockets full. They got the omer or two quarts worth. Then they make sure nobody's looking. Start stuffing, stuffing their pockets and, honey, get your purse and stuffing the purse and getting the kids' backpacks, taking their books out, stuffing their. And they got in. When they got to two quarts full, enough for a person. Oh, I can't eat. And that little kid shows up. You know, I'm putting putting this together here right now. Wife shows up with a purse and says, what do you want me to do with it? Oh, I can't stand the thought of another bite. I'm so full. Kid shows up with a backpack full. Oh, can you, how many's ever eat Thanksgiving till you didn't thought of food? Sound terrible. Are y'all with me right now? How many's ever been there? Oh, I can't stand the thought of another piece of pie. Somebody offered you a pumpkin pie. You already had two pieces of apple pie. You're stuffed. That's how they would have felt after two omers. Or one omer, excuse me, two quarts. One helping per person. It was all you needed. It was just enough. And the Bible says those that gathered more than enough because they had a lack of faith. You read it. They had a lack of faith that what God had provided and told them this was what you need to sustain you. They had it left over and the next morning they wrote it. The next morning they, they, they set it aside maybe put it in a little clay pot somewhere. And they set it aside and when they, the next morning it stunk. It had grown worms. Because what God wanted them to know is not how much you gather. It's how much you can trust. It's not how good you are. It's not how much you labor. It's about me sustaining you. And there were some people that gathered a little bit less than somebody else, but it was always enough. Can I say to you, when God gives you bread from heaven, it will always be enough. How many believe that He is Jehovah Jireh? He is our provider. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says for 40 years, this is what he did for them. You can read on. Not only did he provide bread from heaven, meat from heaven, he provided a rock that supplied enough water to run out of the rock that would have sustained just water alone enough to, to, to sustain the thirst of three and a half million plus their oxen, their, their cattle, their camels, their sheep. There was enough water. And the Bible says, and that rock was Christ there's no difference then and now. I want you to know the same God that sustained his people then is the same God that will sustain you and me right now. There's enough for you. There's enough for your wife. There's enough for your children. There's enough for the babies that's going to be born in your family. 
Come on. He will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You know what we need to do? We need to get on our tiptoes when the prophet says bread's going to be there in the morning from heaven. You ought to lean forward and say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wake up and look for it. And when the blessing comes, say, what is this? Oh, no, no, no. It's bread from heaven. Can I say to you, the bread from heaven is the grace of God. People say, I don't know if I'm good enough to live for the Lord. I don't know if I'm good enough to live for God. Oh, I would come down to that altar and give my life, but I'm afraid I'm going to mess up, not live a good enough life. Can I tell you, you do not live the life of Christianity based upon your pedigree or your intellect. Oh, it's not how much you can gather, but when you bent your knee and said, here I am, God said, I'm going to give you grace. I'll give you grace to go to church. I'll give you grace to be righteous. I'll give you grace to want to live right, talk right. Are you with me? I'll give you grace to make good decisions. I'm still convinced that every morning you get up, there's bread waiting to be picked up. Just enough for you to go through your week. Monday morning, when you get up tomorrow's Thursday, you're going to wake up in the morning and there's grace waiting on you. It's not grace of man. It's the grace of God that's going to get you through tomorrow. Guess what? You get home tomorrow night, there's meat going to be waiting on you. If you'll live according to his word... He was so faithful in it. For 40 years it lasted. Never missed a day except the Sabbath. And he said, he said on the Sabbath, it's not coming. Because I don't want you to work. I want you to stay in your place. I don't want you to labor that, that, that day. I don't want you to pick up a stick. I don't even want you to gather food. I don't want you to have to put it together, mix, mix a little water with it, and make bread out of the grain that's laying on the ground. That grain did not come from the field. That grain came from heaven. The Bible says, I think it's in Psalm 78, the Bible calls it angels' food. It's food from heaven. And every day they got up, when they realized, I'm going to tell you where we are wrong, that we think our blessing came from our, our work ethic, maybe in the sense of our labor. I think we can get it wrong if we think that our blessing comes from my intellect. I think we can get that wrong. I think that the Bible says all good things come from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. What I'm saying is I appreciate I appreciate the jobs that God has given every single one of you but at the end of the day I am what I am because of Jesus Christ. How many believe that? That my health my mind, food on the table for my kids, all of that is because from the grace and the mercy of God. Can you say amen? How many know it's by His grace? The Bible says by by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. And what happens is if we're not careful, we'll come to, we'll come to Sunday, can't find anything to be thankful for. But the truth of the matter is every day he's laid grace at your feet. Grace in front of your children. Grace in front of your house. Come on, grace on your job. Is there anybody here who believes that the blessings in your life have come from the Lord? How, how many wave and say, I give credit to God for all good things? I really do. Amen, amen. I give credit to the Lord for all, all things. Amen. The Bible says to rejoice in all things. Rejoice in all things. So on the sixth day, there was no manna. You can go out. Moses! The Bible says they went out to gather. He already told him it's not going to be there. Yesterday, they gathered two omers per person. Because on the sixth day, there was twice as much. And they gathered, they would gather two omers a person, and they would they they would eat an omer of it, which was two quarts. They would eat an omer of it, and uh, oh, they'd be so full. It was just enough. Everybody say it was just enough. And they set that other omer on the shelf for the Sabbath. And those that had gathered too much before and it stunk was filled with worms. They woke up on the Sabbath day and they ran ran right there and got to that little clay pot of the manna. And said, didn't stink. There are no worms in it. Because it was commanded by God. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that when you read, even about bringing your tithe into the storehouse and all, all, all the verses about the blessing of God, it says he will rebuke the devourer. Everything that tries to take your grace, everything that tries to take your blessing. How many know that God is the one that sustains everything in our life? 
Hey, if you've got energy, glory to God. you got good health, glory to God. How many know that he will sustain you through everything in your life? Would you clap your hands and thank God for that? And so I feel tonight in this teaching um, is that what he did for them for 40 years, it ended in Canaan land. As soon as they got in the border of Canaan, they wake up the next morning. There's no man on the ground. Could you imagine dependent upon manna for 40 years? And you wake up one morning and there's no manna. Moses! Moses! All those kids been eating manna for 40, 40 years. Mama! Mama, where's, 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 where's the manna? I'm going to tell you why there's no manna. Because manna was specific for a certain place. It was for what was there was now a here. What was there was now over there. But what God's going to do for me right here is going to be different than what he did over there. It's going to be a land that flows with milk and honey. Every day that they got up, whoo, feel like preaching for a minute. Every day that they tasted manna, it tasted like honey. And they were, it was just a taste of where they were going. Do you know that the kingdom of the kingdom of God is just the taste of the kingdom of heaven? Can you say amen? And when we get up in the morning and we pray until heaven comes down, and one I talk about grace, but really one typology of manna or bread from heaven is, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. How many know on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell? They all said, What is this? How many know that? And, and Simon Peter jumped up and he said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, said, God, I'm going to pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters should prophesy. He was telling them what God had already said it was going to be. What is it? It's the Holy Ghost. And so when you read in Hebrews chapter 6, the Bible says, When you have tasted the powers to come, which is the Holy Ghost. How many know every time you get a touch of the Holy Ghost, it's a taste of heaven? Praise the name of the Lord. That's why we need to get drunk in the Holy Ghost every now and then. Not know what time it is because you've got lost in His presence. It's just a taste of what heaven's going to be like all the time. How many know the Holy Ghost will make you walk right and live right and talk right? Amen and think right. That's why we need it. We need a move of God's presence. You know what I believe? I believe every morning you get up, it's waiting on you to jump into and to partake of the presence of God. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. I want you to say this with me. God will sustain you there. We have sent over the years many people to different campuses, even some to different nations. Uh, most of the time that we have sent somebody, there were no resources available. We just moved by his word and stepped on his word and God sustained all the way there. I will repeat a story to you tonight. Because I feel like I'm supposed to. But when it was 2008 in the fall, God had moved upon me when there was a prophet in my house by the name of Eli Hernandez. How many remember the prophet that would come here and preach? Powerful man of God. He would even quote some of you that had come to me confidentially or privately. And he would many times walk to your situation knowing nothing and say exactly what you've been seeking God for. But he was, he was here and he preached on how do you spell faith? And it was R-I-S-K. That's what he preached. And uh, he was a tremendous preacher, but he certainly was not a sermonizer if you listen to him. But he would leave principles behind that you could walk on. I'll never forget on a Sunday night that he came over to my house and my, my wife was there, matter of fact. Sister Tackett was there, hadn't even, I don't think, had moved there yet or had just moved there. I, don't, I can't remember. Uh, moved to Zanesville. But in that moment, we were we was in my living room by the fireplace, and Brother Hernandez threw his hands up in the air, sitting in the recliner in my house. And uh, when he did, the spirit of prophecy came in the room. When the spirit of prophecy comes in the room, the atmosphere of the room begins to change. And uh, he, he said to my mother-in-law, he said, I want you to come. He didn't know that she was my wife's mother, 
But he said, come here. I want you to lay your hand on her right leg. Do you remember that? He said, the Lord has sent you here to help Sister Bounds, not knowing that she was her mother. And he didn't know that was that damaged leg that was damaged by the guardrail because God sees every one of our weaknesses and knows that he has sustained us. I want to say right now, my wife shouldn't be able to take one step. But for 25 years, he has sustained every step without a perineal nerve. Because I don't care what you go through. God will give you grace to get where you need to get to. Amen. He is our provider. Hallelujah. He's our provider. He knows what you need tonight. He knows exactly. I heard somebody say recently, I think it's a powerful point, that God factored in all of your mistakes into His grace. He factored in every failure into His grace. And I say to somebody tonight, whether watching online or in this building tonight, that God saw your failure, your mistake, the accident, the issue. And guess what? His grace is sufficient. His grace is enough. You're not going to fail because of something yesterday. He's given you the grace. Oh, I wish somebody would clap your hands and say, His grace is enough for me. His grace is enough for my family. Amen, 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 amen. And so when you begin to look, when you begin to look at that night and, and the spirit of prophecy is in my house because God's not confined to a church building. Spirit of prophecy is in my house. He went around the room prophesying to almost everybody in the room. When he began to prophesy, I remember Elder Melick, he prophesied to Brother Tom Melick. I don't, I don't see him here. He's, he's in the back. He's in, in one of the leadership training things tonight. But he, he, he told him, he said, God has given you a shield, amen, to protect the ministry. Went around the room and began to tell others their giftings and what God would do in their life. And I saw that unveil in all of their lives and uh, later. But I fell down on my knees, and I know many of you have heard the story. But I fell on my knees that night in, in that spirit of prophecy that's in the room. And uh, I'm going to tell you, we need prophets, amen, amen, sent from the Lord. Do you believe that? Because what happens is it edifies the body. Saul could prophesy when he got around the prophets because there's an atmosphere that goes with it. And when he came and started prophesying, I fell on my knees in front of, I fell on my knees in front of my uh, fireplace and just begin to move by the Spirit. And just somebody to move with the Spirit makes you want to bow before Him. How I many know what I'm talking about? It makes you want to get on your knees and bow. I'll never forget that when I was bowed before the Lord, that God showed me a vision. And I saw a ground covered in snow. It was ground that was covered in snow. When I saw the ground covered in the snow, Brother Mike, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to go to Crooksville and start a church. For there's prophetic roots there that have not come to pass yet. He said, but when you begin to preach the gospel there, he said, those prophetic roots are going to sprout new life. I saw little saplings Little, little green sprouts come through the snow just like that in the vision on my knees in my home. And he said, the enemy could shave Samson's head, but they couldn't touch his roots. Woo! Hallelujah! The enemy could, could take him out and shave his head, but they couldn't touch what was beneath the skin of Samson. And that's why I preach about backsliders coming home so much. You know why? Because I got a word from the Lord. I've got a word from the Lord. God spoke to me. It doesn't matter how long they've been away. It doesn't matter how long they've been gone. They can't, the enemy can't touch the roots. The enemy can't touch the roots of somebody that's eating the bread of heaven. There's power in training up our children in the house of the Lord I do believe I believe when you baptize in the name and fill with the spirit I believe there's something that's there that the enemy can't take away they might go away but he can't take it away there is a mark that's upon them and I was on my knees and, and uh, the Lord spoke this to me and he said and he said start the church and when I come up there, Brother Hernandez prophesied immediately about the opposition I would face. I watched that come to pass. And uh, he said, he said, don't let the opposition keep you from doing what God's called you to do. 
I looked at Tom Melick and I said, Brother Melick, I want you to go find us a building in Crooksville. I want you to go there and find us a, 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 a building because I had a word from the Lord. And uh, you know what God was saying? Go to Cherith. I'm going to sustain you there. Go there and start. I could see it in the vision. And he's, he, 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 uh, 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 I told him, I said, I want you to go in the Holy Ghost. I said, I want you to find us a place. You know, anybody ever been in the Holy Ghost and said you're going to start a fast? And then the fast lift. Then you smell the restaurant before you ever get around the corner and see the sign. Then you, 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 your hunger pains come upon you. And you start questioning why you're fasting. Anybody ever been there or am I the only one? Sometimes a word from the Lord's the same way. Because it's amazing what we'll do when the Holy Ghost is prompting us. Because we can see it through the eyes of faith, which we call grace. When you're eating, when you're eating bread from heaven, it's amazing what you'll do. Somebody said you'll charge hell with a water pistol. Somebody said. He'll give you boldness. And I'll never forget. He goes and says, Pastor, we found a building. I'm so excited. I go down and look at that building. I sit on the platform of that old Methodist church in Crooksville, musty, but I could look and I could see, not a vision from the Lord, but I could just see people coming to that. Seen about 180 people, house connected to it, three parcels of ground. They wanted 150000 or so for it. And uh, uh, I started pondering. And then had some opposition about it. And then I started getting discouraged because it didn't make any sense. Our... Our church, we had a half a million dollar loan on the church uh, from its original purchase and renovations. And recession had hit. You can't renew the loans. They weren't renewing loans of churches. And here we are. Uh, we got a long ways to go to pay this loan off. We were, we were at a 20-year loan on a 10-year amortization, and it, it's due. And uh, that time to renew the loan. And, and there was a lot of questions that come. There was some opposition that came, like the prophet said. And, and I remember thinking maybe maybe this isn't the will of God right now I think I'm not going to go to Cherith I'm going to stay here I'm not going to go to Crooks I'm just going to stay here this is safe here and I'll never forget the phone call come in from a pastor in the district and uh, he said you going to be at the conference I think it was this weekend or next weekend I said no he said well you're preaching it Brother Zion, I said, I am? He said, yeah. Did they not ask you? I said, no. He said, well, your picture's on the flyer. I said, let me see what I can do. I was going to go just visit a, uh, Bishop White's homecoming. Cindy and I were scheduled to visit there, and I changed my plans a bit at this conference. And when I, I get to the conference, and remember, any time a word from the Lord's going to come, there's going to be a hesitation. Because the devil does not want you to have a word from the Lord. We drove all the way to the conference. I'm scheduled to preach the next day. And I started feeling a little bit sick. More hesitance or something. And I, I went to stay back. I thank God for a good wife. I'm being pretty transparent right now. My wife says, I said, honey, I don't feel that well. Maybe we'll just stay here. She said, we didn't drive all the way here to stay in a hotel room. We need to go. And I get inside, go on. In the, in the church, Jerry Wayne Dillon is preaching, and he starts preaching, and here, here, here I'm on the platform, and uh, he, he, he was preaching about something, and I, it had nothing to do with his message. He said, you know how you spell faith? R-I-S-K. He'd kick his leg when he'd preach. Always has, if you've ever watched him preach. Jump up, kick. R-I-S-K. I'm standing right there, and I know God. It's confirming his word to me. Because sometimes even Gideon had to hear it like five times. If you'll go, I'll sustain you. If you'll go, I'm going to take care of you. If you'll go, I'm going to be with you. That was on Friday night. On Brother Mike, When I that was Friday night. On Sunday night, I had a dream. In the dream on Sunday night, I had a dream that a lady with short hair, uh, bought that building and turn it into an art center because I didn't have faith to go. And I wake up and the number 63,500 came to me 
and they had won at 150. I think it dropped to 120,000 or so. But I called Brother Melick and I said, I want you to go down and and uh, this is the number I have. I had a dream. I believe it's from the Lord. Go make an offer on that building. And uh, he said, okay. He went and made an offer on the building on Monday. He said, this is what we'll give for it. The building, a house, three parcels of ground. Tuesday night they had a board meeting and they accepted our offer. That's great, but we didn't have any money. I'm telling you, we didn't have, we didn't have any money. There was no money to buy that. We were excited about having a contract, but no money to fulfill it. We had 50 days to come up with the money to buy that building. 50 days. When it was about 10 days out, I was praying with somebody in the hospital. Brother Melick was there, and he said, Pastor? I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, we got to do something. And I said, I know. He said, it takes like 30 days to get a loan, at least. He said, uh, we better do something. And he wouldn't boss me around. He was just speaking the obvious that was in me. I was waiting on God because I knew to get a loan would jeopardize our own loan at the building here. I was waiting on the Lord. And uh, I got very, very frustrated. Anybody ever been frustrated with the will of God? The timing of God? How many ever been frustrated with the provision of God? May not come when you want him. He's going to be there right on time. How many know he's an on-time God? I came to this altar. I went to my office. I reached in the file. I grabbed the Crooksville file. I came here. I've been very, very transparent. And I laid the file on this altar right here just like that. I said, God, I didn't ask to go to Crooksville. You asked me to go, and I'm stressed. I don't know what to do. We don't have any money to go. I'm asking you to fix it. Wasn't that it hurt from God? And that I wasn't seeing the provision yet. Nobody knew I prayed that prayer. But Sister Ross called me. She said, hey, Pastor. She said, I just want you to know that I was going to give. She made a certain amount of money to the Crooksville Church. I said, oh, Sister Ross, thank you, thank you, thank you. You have no clue how big thank you that was. Her brother called me from out of state and said, hey, I was praying. Just want you to know, I hear you're going to start a church in Cooksville. Want you to know I'm sending such, such, such money. Some of the church had been doing some fundraising. said, hey, pastor, that night, just wanted you to know, just feel like I should call you tonight and tell you that we've been the money we've been raising on this, we're going to give it to the Cooksville church. $5,000 combined that night. You know what God was saying? I've got this. I've got this. The next week the Lord spoke to me and he said to me, he said, he's, the next week Brother God was with us in a revival. The Lord spoke to me and I don't say that casually. He said to me, receive an offering for Brother Godwin and on Sunday I'm going to take care of Crooksville. And so we did. On Friday night of the revival, received a special offering for him. The next day, Brother Morgan called me from, out of the, from, a, from California. He said, I just felt like telling you, I felt like you're supposed to receive a special offering for Brother Godwin. I said, he already spoke that to me and we did it last night. Amen. Confirmation. On Sunday, on Sunday night, on Sunday, Sunday morning, God moved. That's the Sunday morning. Brother Tony Richard came to the altar and family followed him behind that Sunday morning. On Sunday night, as I was standing in this pulpit, praise and worship was going on. And y'all have heard me say this because you've heard me tell this exact story, but I feel to tell it tonight because Crooksville was my chariot. And I am, I am on a Sunday night, the power of God is moving, and most of you have never been in this position. Well, you're standing between letting the service go and letting the preacher preach. But I'm trying to follow the will of God in that because sometimes it's best just to let the Holy Ghost take over and let the leading of the Lord move. And I'm in betwixt. I'm in between this moment. I even walked over to Brother Godwin and said, you feel that? Yeah. And I looked down and here is Becky Nutter on the altar, backslid for 35 years. And I knew she had received the Holy Ghost down in Crooksville many years ago. And I said, look here, literally... 
Becky Nutter was laying on the altar, speaking in other tongues, shaking and trembling under the power of God. I said, look here, this is Sister Becky Nutter. I said, you know, we're wanting to plant a church in Crooksville. We're planning on it. I said, to think about her. She got the Holy Ghost. How many more of those? And, and I've started referencing that. Here come Bob Spring, who I miss very much, came running up on the platform in his cowboy boots, and he, he stood beside me to know Bob as to understand the miracle of this. He stood beside me and said, I'll give a $1,000. I never even asked for an offering. But the body began to respond to God's grace and the touch of heaven. And he said, I'll give a thousand. And next thing you know, somebody else said, I'll give a thousand. Somebody else said, I'll give 250. I, I remember Sister Grace Mock, six years old, jumped up on her seat back there where the, uh, where, the, where the Edwards are. She jumped up on her seat at six years old. She said, I'll give $2. $40,000 later. You, you remember what I'm going to teach you. Every great move of God, children will be involved. Did you hear me? Every great move of God, the children will be involved. This is not a, a, a senior's thing. This is not just a children's thing. God moves upon his body, and that's every age in the church. How many believe his body is every age in the church? It's a multi-generational church. Woo, hallelujah. I'll give $2, she said. And when, she, and when they did, it was $40,000 later that, that, that was committed. That was on Sunday night. On Thursday, Sister Jackie called me. It was the last day on the contract. She said, Pastor, just want you to know the last dollar came in this morning to fulfill what we need to, to, to move forward in the contract. And I thought to myself, how do you spell faith? I'm not talking about the week before. I'm talking about the day of. R-I-S-K. You know what I was leaning on? I was leaning on bread from heaven. I was waiting on the ravens to show up with the bread in its mouth. And I'm going to tell you, if God says go, you can bank on He's going to meet you there. If God says go, you can mark it down. He's going to show up. And with it came a church with a mind to work. It was remarkable what happened. With the church came a mind to work. We, we were able to, to, to get a loan on that building. Right before we closed, finished closing on the loan, they rented that out to a, a, a shelter ministry. And the, the rent on the house that they rented out paid for the mortgage payment. When I tell you, when we got in there, it was self-sustaining. Because God had sent the ravens. There was a brook that flowed there. Every service for three years, there was a first-time guest. It was miraculous power of God. People from this church showed up and taught and hosted and helped and led and just supported and came. It was, you remember that, Brother Sister Lewis? Y'all would even come. And Sister Cammy Carter then, Cammy T. I now, with her three little kids on our first service, she said, I didn't know I was the only family. You know why? Because God put in the body a mind to work. I pastored there three and a half years, baptized 132 people, I believe it was, and it was a, it was a team effort from this church. This church had a baby. This church went into not addition, but multiplication, and God sustained us there. If I'd have just jumped to another city, it wouldn't have happened. You just don't pick a city and say, I'm going to go there, and then God's going to meet me there. No, you've got to go to Cherith if God says go to Cherith. If he would have went to Zarephath, which was the next city, there would have been no ravens there, and he would have starved to death. I am teaching you the principle of God. This is not just it's got to happen in the city because it happened in that city. Uh-uh. I've got to go to the city that God calls me to. You've got to go to the country that God calls you to. You've got to step into the anointing that God calls you to be under. You just can't float. You just can't choose. You've got to let God choose it. Oh, I wish somebody clapped your hands and say amen because this is good teaching. Amen. God's going to sustain you where? That's it. That's it. God will sustain you where? Everybody say, go there. For he's commanded the bread to feed you there. Don't go over there if he called you to go there. And you can't be here if he wants you there. 
But if you'll go there, there's a brook waiting on you. There's a raven waiting to feed you. There's something going to sustain you. Oh, jump to your feet and clap your hands and say, God's going to sustain me there. Hallelujah. Everybody shot bread from heaven. Amen. Amen. We didn't have to beg, prod, prod. Just wanted to be a part. There three and a half years, I said, God, who's the next person? Because the Lord began to tell me about transitioning out. Who's the next person? God put Tony Richard right in my mind, in my spirit, after three, almost three and a half years. So I went to him. He didn't know why I was going to him, but I went to him. I said, Brother Tony, I said, do you have a burden for Crooksville? He started crying immediately. Tears started running down his face. He said, Pastor, because the only thing he was doing there was working in the basement of the church, working with kids. And uh, God had brought him to my mind when I was praying about who's the next pastor. I promise you, I didn't want to leave Crooksville. Can I help you? I told the Lord, Lord, but I don't want to leave Crooksville. He said, if you'll stay, you'll destroy it. I said, okay, who's next? I know the voice of God. But he told me, if you stay, you'll destroy it. Because he only sustained you there. You can sit in the wilderness and wait on bread, but it's not coming. Because that there is now a here, and you've got to go over there. You've got to be, understand where does God want you to be. I'm going to just throw this out there. God calls you to be a pastor and you try to be an evangelist, you're going to suffer. If you are an evangelist and you try to pastor, you will suffer. Because he's only going to sustain you where he calls you. I tell you what I wouldn't want to do. Brother Jones, thank you for your kind text. You'll never know in a million years what it means to me. But I would never want to walk to that pulpit without his hand upon me. But I've never braced this pulpit one time that God has not given me bread to feed you because it's where God has called you. This is my there. Do y'all understand that? Everybody say, God will take care of you there. I um, closed tonight and I told Brother Tony, I said, you have a burden? He said, yes. And Sister Sarah Mealy's not here to verify this, but I'm pretty sure God had already showed her he was the next person. Because she had a picture of those stained glass windows with him, and she handed it to him. And uh, he said, you know, in my prayer closet, because Brother Tony had a consistent prayer life, every night at midnight he would get up and pray. He's a righteous man. And uh, he said, uh, every night that I get up and pray, he said, I see that picture of the Crooksville Church. I said, okay. I started using him upstairs and helped lead the service and MC. And, and uh, long story short, that he told me he, that night when I said, you have a burden for Crooksville? He said, yeah. He said, Pastor, he said, remember that night we took the offering $40,000? I said, yeah. He said, you know, that morning I came back to the Lord. For three years, I'd known God had provided the money because the Lord said, take care of the angels on Friday. I'm going to take care of Crooksville on Sunday. For three years, I knew he provided the money, but I hadn't realized he had provided the man. Tony Richard, Brother Dean, was out of the church for 22 years and wakes up on a Sunday morning and says, I'm going to the altar today. He was out of the church, but he was not out of his hand. This is a word for somebody tonight. Tony Richards' miracle was in the church's movement. When we moved in the direction of Crooksville, Becky Nutter repents. Tony Richard wakes up. People start giving because the miracle is always in the movement. Jordan River didn't stop flowing until the Ark of the Covenant carried by the priest got in the water ankle deep and then it stopped. Because the miracle's not in waiting. The miracle's in moving. And he said, go to the chariot. Put your walking shoes on.
because the ravens are waiting on you. And Tony becomes a pastor, and I have to apologize to him every now and then, but there was a rush situation, there's no doubt. He only preached five times when he became the pastor of that church. Don't you feel bad for him and mad at me a little bit? But he's proven himself. He didn't miss a beat. Ten years later, ten years after he transitioned, he's the pastor, and Brother Tony would have been probably close to seven years, six-plus years. The bank president there from Community Bank wanted to meet with me. Michael Steen's his name. He wants to meet me at Cracker Barrel and talk to me. There's a little bread from heaven there too. Amen. Anybody ever had some bread from heaven? Amen. From Cracker Barrel. We sat down. He started crying. He said, Pastor, remember when y'all wanted the loan to buy the church in the Crooksville Church? Get the loan down there and buy that? I said, yeah. He said, he said, I wanted to tell you something. just felt to tell you. He said, there was a lady that wanted to buy that and turn that into an art center. I said, she had short hair, didn't she? He said, but I didn't want her to have it. I wanted y'all to have it. <laughs> I almost missed it. Because I was thinking about what I could gather instead of what he could gather. I'm telling this congregation as a whole, it's God that sustains us. And if you will get the cherith, the ravens are coming. If you will walk in his word, I challenge this church like probably, probably one of the greatest faith decisions I've ever made as a pastor was last September the 16th when I went from there when Evangelist Cody Marks said the next 90 days is the most critical time of, could be the most critical days of your ministry here he said tell these people what God's put in your heart and I stood to this pulpit and I said I feel like our church is going to be at the Y board I feel like this building is going to be a school and a, and a daycare center I believe we're going to have the largest Christian counseling firm in the state because people need help by the multitude of counselors their safety come on somebody say amen and when I did God began to move and in a matter of a few months few months dragged out process working very diligently for seven months but the amount of money was needed to buy that property 330,000 plus the investments we had to make in some presentations and architectural presentations to the city on and on and on and as soon as we signed the paper somebody tried to buy that property because where the finger of God points the hand of God's going to provide and I believe God's got a plan and I want to say to this church one thing I've learned about the church here in Zanesville is that you're willing to go to Cherith because we've already proven that the ravens are commanded there and if God's called us there he's going to provide every single thing that we need how many believe he's going to provide everything that we need you don't, you don't have to come to this altar tonight you're okay to stay right where you are but what I want to say to you and challenge all of you is on an individual level there will always be a cherith moment but you have to choose either to go there and depend on him and stay here and have it the way you've always had it but you know why he says go to Cherith because there's a drought coming to where you are and if you don't go to Cherith, you're going to dry up here. I like what Simon Peter said. And I'll play this New Testament example I gave earlier. Simon Peter, he said, can I leave here and come over to you? Because you know what he understood? The safest place in town is with Jesus. Leave the ship. Ship's going to get destroyed by the storm. I'm going to where he is. I make a promise to you today is that we won't just go. We will go where he is. Do you hear what I'm saying? We're not just going to go to go. We're going to go to where, somebody shout, he is. Billy Cole made a statement. He said, I don't, he said that the Holy Ghost doesn't show up because I showed up. 
He said, I go where the Holy Ghost already is. <laughs> Amen. He said, I find out where the Holy Ghost is going and I show up. That's what he said. And I believe that God's got a plan for each and every single one of us. But I mark, you mark my words. There will be a moment in your life that God's going to speak something to you. He's going to say, go to Cherith. You've got to be willing to go and watch Him sustain you because it's there that only He gets the glory. How many believe there's bread from heaven for each and every one of us tonight? Anybody have a call of God? What if I get in the pulpit and fail? If He called you to preach, He's going to meet you there. Do you believe that? If He calls you to witness to somebody at a, at a restaurant, don't have, you have to think about what you're going to say. It's just going to come. Because if He says go there, He's going to sustain you there. Everybody says grace. You can call it bread, but it's really the grace of God that's going to help you in that moment. I don't know why I'm saying this, but when it's your time to die, it's your time to die, guess what? He will sustain you there also. You don't have to fret about dying when it's your last hour. You have grace. Even so, come Lord Jesus. How many of you ever thought about being a martyr? What that would be like? Somebody said either recant your faith. Or, how many of you ever been there? I'm just going to tell you, they can squeeze the trigger a thousand times, but if it's not your time to go, you're not going. Because he sustained you there. But if it is your time to go, won't be a fretting. The Bible says when they were stoning Stephen, he saw heaven open. Because <laughs> he said he would never leave you nor forsake you. But I warn you, if you go out on your own, you're on your own. I want to go where the Lord wants me to go. How about you? Would you lift your hand and say, God, where you lead, I'll follow. Where you command, I'll obey. Come on. It's a step of faith. It's, a, it's an R-I-S-K risk. But if he tells you to go there, he will meet you there. Hallelujah. Come on, the Lord is moving in this room right now. Pastor, I feel a call of my God, but a call of God on my life, but I don't know. I'm good enough. Oh, He's going to provide what you need to do what He's called you to do. I promise you, He's going to sustain you there. He's going to supply everything you need there. He's going to move upon you right there. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Pray. I want you to make a covenant with the Lord tonight. God, I'll go where you want me to go. I know you're going to sustain me in that season of my life. You're going to provide bread. You're going to provide the brook. You're going to sustain me there. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can read on chapter 17, what God's going to do. And, and uh, read about Zarephath. Read about Mount Carmel. That God wants us to go to a place with Him. How many trust Him tonight? Brother Zion, lead us in song. Listen, worship. Let's clap our hands and thank God for His Word tonight. God, we Let's lift our hands and worship before we leave.
How many going to take this to heart, what I've taught you tonight? Anybody ever had a cherith moment? Aren't you glad? God provided everything you needed, didn't he, little Dean? Critical moment in your life. That you said yes to cherith and God took care of everything else. And he's not finished. Look at your neighbor and say, God's not finished. Hallelujah. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. Well, I'm going to let you chew on this message because I feel like God's speaking to so many people. There's a cherith in your life. Turn to somebody next to you and say, there's a cherith in your world. you got to trust God with that. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Looking forward to Sunday. Plan on starting a family series at 10 a.m. Plan on teaching about family for a few weeks. Biblical teaching about family. God bless you. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.